Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Boldness for Christ is not something we possess in and of ourselves. So, what is the secret of holy boldness? Join us now as we complete our journey through Acts chapter 14 with Cheryl Broderson. of Cheryl's message, Holy Boldness. Paul said of himself to the Corinthians, I know that I was weak and trembling around you. And you thought, this little weakling is going to tell us about the gospel? These were men, as they said, with natures like other men. They were men who were weak. They were men who absolutely needed Jesus. They were just like the men in Lystra, no better. As John Bunyan once wrote, there but for the grace of God go I. They would have been worshiping those vain things. They would have been running with garlands and oxen. Were it not, were it not for Jesus Christ. So what was the secret? of their holy boldness. Well, their secret can be our secret. Their source of boldness can be our source of boldness because there are three things that we see in this chapter. The Paul and Barnabas advantage, so to speak. And one is that they knew their God. Two is that they were under the authority of Jesus Christ. And three was that they were commended to the grace of God. I was at a wedding, and I was sitting next to a friend of mine, and I was talking to her about the power of a faith in the Christian life and just how I had been experiencing that and what I had been seeing God do. And she looked at me, and she had tears in her eyes, and this was one of the most extraordinary godly women I knew. I absolutely adore this woman. God has used her with the gift of hospitality, and she is just one of those saints in the church. And she looked at me, and she said, Cheryl, I need more boldness. I just lately have just been racked with fears, and, and tears came into her eyes. And, and she looked at me in desperation, And I looked at her and I said, oh, Mary, it's so simple. You just need to know Jesus better. You don't have to drum up faith. You don't have to condemn or or flagellate yourself for not having enough faith. There's no reason to be condemned here. You can't go out there and just start pumping iron to get more faith. The secret is to know your God. In Daniel, it said that the people who knew their God 
carried out great exploits in his name. The secret is knowing their God. It's to know the character of our God, to know that he is caring and compassionate and concerned. You see, we don't serve a God like Zeus or a God like Hermes who get upset, who can't be trusted, who are lustful or greedy or angry or can be upset or must be appeased. That's not our God. We serve the God that we see in the gospels displayed in Jesus Christ. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that in Christ, we see the face of God. In Christ, we see all that God is, all that God does and his disposition towards us. I was just reading in Matthew chapter 15 this morning where Jesus absolutely refused to let the multitude go away hungry. The disciples are like, Lord, there's too many of them. Send them away. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. We're going to make this happen. I am not going to let those people go away and faint on the road. I am here for them. We serve a God that is compassionate and cares about the multitude. But we serve a God that he didn't berate the disciples. What are you guys thinking, sending the multitude away? You know, here I call you guys. I'm with you guys. I've shown you miracles. And I have to send them away, send them away. He's not like that. He's like, guys, just stay with me. Just stay with me. Don't you love that, Christ? Just stay with me. And yet we're like, oh, God, forgive me for not believing in you, Mom. Shame on you. Shame on you. You know, we are always, we're women, right? So we beat ourselves up. You know, we have like a wooden spoon in every room just to hit ourselves when we're stupid. (laughs) This is not our God. This is not our God. Our God, Jesus, is so patient. He's so concerned. He's so loving. He doesn't, you know, when you see Jesus rebuking their unbelief, he's like, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. He's not like, shame on you. Have faith. He's like, oh, you have little faith. If you just really believed in me, if you just really knew me, you could walk on water. You could do these things. What you need, what you need is to know your God. Not only to know he loves you, he absolutely loves you with an intensity that your God cares about you, that he's aware of everything that you're going through, that your God will not let you fall. He will not let you be destroyed. He will not give you over to the will of the enemies or the will of Satan. Satan asked for Peter by name. And man, if there was a disciple I might have given up, it might have been Peter. You want that one? As long as I can keep the other 10, you can have Judas and Peter. Let's make a deal. No. Jesus wouldn't let go of Peter. Absolutely not. I don't care if he denied me three times. Satan, you may not have this one. I'm going to pray for this one that his faith will not fail. I'm going to cover this one and I'm going to restore this one. And this one, this one I'm going to use for my glory. And when he is restored, he's going to strengthen the brethren. That's our God. That's the God we serve. Not one that wants to see you destroyed or punished, but one that wants to see you restored, that wants to see you protected, that wants to see you make it through. That's our God. He's compassionate, caring, concerned. He's aware of what we're going through. He's got your back. As I was traveling up to um, Santa Rosa, a seven-hour drive that I was able to do in eight hours, 
Tells you a lot about my driving. I will not speed. So anyway, I'm getting passed by semi-trucks and trucks that are carrying like cows, kind of sad, and hay. But you know, as I'm, as I'm driving, um, I stop to get gas and I'm in a borrowed car and it's a nice car. And some friends of mine said, you know, we want you to be safe. We want you to use our car, which was really nice. And there are these guys who start eyeing the car and they look scary and they start walking over to me. And right at that moment, Brian calls. And I said, Brian, pray. Pray for the FBI to find me. Pray. And I'm saying it really loudly because they're coming over to me and they look menacing. And they're coming over and they've got this look and they're looking at each other. And Brian goes, get in the car. And I'm like, I am trying. But you know when you're trying to rush and you fumble everything? I'm dropping the hose. I'm going, oh God, help me. And I'm trying to slam the thing and I'm running around to the car door and it's not opening. You're like, I'm not scared of you at all. You know? And I'm jumping in the car and I'm like, how do you lock the doors? It's not my car. Finally, I find the door lock and they're almost at the car now. I kid you not. They're like inches away from the car. And I'm like, where do the keys go? And I'm uh, trying to fumble with my seatbelt. I'm like, forget the seatbelt. Brian's like, hit the gas, Cheryl. I'm like, yes, gas. I know it's mine. I'm hitting the brake. And I'm like, finally, I hit the gas. And I'm, I'm not kidding. They're right at my window. And I go out of the gas station. And I'm like getting on the freeway, putting on my seatbelt. And the Lord just speaks to me and said, Cheryl, I had you covered. I had you covered the entire time. Remember, you're the woman who flooded your house. You're the woman who left the garage door open all night for any burglars who wanted to come by and then left your purse as a sacrifice for them on the front seat of the car. That's you, Cheryl. I have your back, Cheryl. I am watching over you. Cheryl, you shopped at Target and used your debit card. That information is out there. (laughs) I am always so vulnerable. I mean, like I could really protect myself. I am always vulnerable. Even when I think I'm not vulnerable, I am vulnerable. But I've got a God who is always protecting me, who is always watching over me, and not me, you do. And that, when we understand, when we catch on to this, that will give us holy boldness. He's got you covered. He has got you covered. But not only that, Paul knew God's power, the power to transform lives. Paul knew the power of God to take angry Jews and make them his servant. Maybe that's why Paul was not bothered by the Iconian angry Jews or the Antioch angry Jews or the Lystra angry Jews. I wonder if he looked at him and said, I was just like you. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yep. I did exactly what you did. And look at me now. Look what God has done. He never lost faith in what God could do because he knew what God had done in his own life. It was his own testimony. As he says in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. God is powerful. God is transforming. He is the God that is able to make the lame not only walk, but leap. He is the God who was able to raise Paul up from the dead after being stoned and dragged out of the city and through that give him a revelation of heaven. 
But they also knew God as the creator of all things, creator of earth and everything in it, creator of the oceans and everything in it. God is over all. He's the creator of virtue. He's the creator of the situations. God created the oceans. He created the hearts of men. He's over all. He's absolutely over all, and there is no need to fear. So they knew their God. They knew the patience of their God, that he would strive with men, that his love for mankind would go the extra mile. In bygone days, he allowed nations to walk in their own ways, but now he has sent his Savior, and he is striving with all men to know his Son. He is the God who is provisional, who provides all things for believers and unbelievers, rain from heaven, fruit and harvest, food, gladness, who fills hearts. You know, the world talks about love. Where did they get the concept of love and fidelity and kindness? Those virtues are only found in Jesus Christ. There is no other place for those virtues. But in God, in Christ alone. But not only that, secondly, Paul and Barnabas were under the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember how in Acts 13, God had spoken through the Holy Spirit and said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. God doesn't give us unbridled power. Have you noticed that? You know, I think of those uh, movies, Almighty God. And you see what men would do with... I, Never watched the movie. I just saw the commercial. It was bad enough. But you see what men want to do with unbridled power, the advantage they want to take on others. Yes, men with unbridled power would act like Zeus. They would act like Hermes. God doesn't give unlimited power. God gives his authority. Our power is only under the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember John and James? They wanted simple power. And what did they want to do with that power? They wanted to destroy men's lives. They said, Lord, can we call down fire from heaven and just consume this Samaritan town that was rejecting you? And Jesus said, you do not know what spirit you are of. The son of man did not come to destroy, but to save. God, or Jesus, gives us his authority, and it's in the authority of Jesus. What does that mean? It means when we are in obedience and submission to Jesus Christ, we have power. It is only in his will, following his directives, that we have this authority, that we have this power, that we have this prosperity, that we have this success. In Matthew chapter 10, we're told Jesus gave his disciples authority over unclean spirits, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. He said, go in my name. You see, it's the name, it's the person of Jesus Christ where our authority is. In Matthew chapter 8, the centurion's servant was healed because the centurion acknowledged that Christ was under the authority of God. And under that authority, Christ has his power. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, you have women under the authority of their husbands, under the authority of Christ, under the authority of God. It's not about equality. It's about authority. My authority is being 
Mrs. Brian Broderson or Pastor Brian's wife. I have authority in that. You take me out of that authority, nobody will listen to me, not even kitties. It's like crazy. But under that authority, I have authority. When we're under the authority of Jesus Christ, we have the authority of Christ because we're walking in obedience. And this was the authority that Paul and Barnabas had, holy boldness, not to do their will, but to accomplish the work for which God had sent them. As long as they were in the work for which God had sent them, they had holy boldness. Outside of that work, no boldness. In that work, divine boldness. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and you know the scripture, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Under the authority of Jesus, we have his presence, a companion, comfort, confirmation, and we are able to convince And so under the authority of Jesus, Paul and Barnabas went where he led, preached what he had done, encouraged believers in his word, and appointed elders and strengthened the souls of the disciples. Finally, Paul and Barnabas knew the grace of God. Grace, as you know, is God's unmerited favor. But it's God's unmerited favor manifested in our lives in a myriad of ways. It is God's manifestation of blessing, protection, and prosperity. We're told that multitudes were coming to know Jesus, the gospel, through Paul and Barnabas. This is God's grace. Not that Paul and Barnabas were anything or could do this, but they were leaning into the grace of God. They were commended to that grace by the believers in Antioch of Syria. And it was to this grace that they commended the believers in every city because they understood that grace was sufficient for all things. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul said, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you having sufficiency for all things. That's what grace does. It makes us up to the task. We have everything we need by grace. Everything. Everything we need. It doesn't matter about me. It doesn't matter if I've got the strength, if I've got the ability, if I've got the right word. Grace will come in and it will do it all. In fact, Paul so knew God's grace in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God revealed to him that this grace is actually made perfect in our weakness. When we have it all together, when we're doing everything right, we don't have the opportunity to see God's grace in action. But when we have deficit, when we have deficiency, then all of a sudden we can see God's grace in its fullness doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And not only could we, they commend people to God's grace, here is grace. This is able to make you sufficient for all things. God's grace will supply everything you need in every single situation. God's grace is enough. Grace and nothing else does it. 
Grace would allow believers to continue in the faith, to persevere through tribulation. It was grace that drove Paul and Barnabas from town to town without flinching at past persecutions. It was grace that raised Paul up and sent him back into the same city that stoned and dragged him out of that city. It was grace that returned to every city where they had been persecuted to strengthen the souls of the disciples there. Paul and Barnabas themselves had been commended to this grace for the work of God. And according to verse 26 of Acts chapter 14, because of this grace, they completed the work that God had sent them to. It is in God's grace that we will accomplish the will of God not in our strength because we are not sufficient for the task. We are not worthy of the call in our lives. We are not worthy of God's goodness. We don't have the talent, the skill, the education as if education would prepare you for life. We don't have what is needed, but God's grace has everything. Every God's grace is ready for any eventuality. It's better than your purse. It's got everything you need. You forgot the Emory board, but God's grace has got it. Everything that you possibly need. Holy boldness is not for just the spiritually elite. It is for anyone and everyone who will know their God, his personality, his greatness expressed through his word, his plans, and his goodness, his care. It is for anyone who will come under the authority of Jesus Christ, who will say, not my will, but his will, who will say, I was bought with a price and my body is for the glory of God and not for my own glory. And finally, it's for anybody who is commended or absolutely dependent on the grace of God for life. It is for those who know that without him, I can do nothing. But through his grace, all things are possible. Do you desire this holy boldness? We just need to know our God. That's, that's it. We just need to draw near to our God and he will draw near to us. We just need to walk in obedience with him. And we just need to open up our arms wide to the grace that is ours through Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to commend you all to the grace of God. Lord, I pray for my sisters right here. Oh, Lord, we thank you that your grace is enough. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we might have a greater understanding of the God we serve. Lord, that we might know you, that we might Lord, understand your power, your authority, your grace, your goodness, your concern, your love. Lord, that we would understand the height, the depth, the love that you have for us and the concern. Lord, that we would know that we know that you've got our back. (laughs) You've You've gone before us. You've hedged us about. Lord, that we might know that, that we might know your power. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to know you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the authority of obedience to you. Lord, that you would help us to choose your ways above our own ways, God, that we might have this holy boldness, that we might walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we understand that we need your grace more than anything, Lord. We need that strength in our weakness. Lord, may we admit freely every deficit that we might be able to exchange the immaterial, the irrelevant, 
the zinc and vitamin C and everything that doesn't work for a cold and receive, Lord, the grace that is able to raise us up, able to do for us and for others what nothing else can do. Lord, I commend my sisters to the grace of God, Lord, that they might know it, that they might dance and revel in it, that they might be blessed by it. We ask these things in Jesus' holy, precious, great name of authority. Amen. Holy boldness is for anyone and everyone who will know their God. It's for anyone who will come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And finally, holy boldness is for anyone who is absolutely dependent on God's grace for life. Let's commit our fears and insecurities to Jesus today and take hold of the holy boldness of Christ. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is Holy Boldness. Once again, our website is graciouswords.com and our toll-free number is 1-800-733-6443. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, Cheryl will begin her teaching in Acts chapter 15 with her message entitled, Danger in the Church. We do hope you make plans to join us. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.